hello and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home. And uh, this is a podcast where we're looking at the Sabbath School pamphlet from the Adventist uh, Bible Study Guide. And it's also a podcast where we are in, increasingly busy and trying to fit this in around our lives. Um, tonight, you've got me and I'm fairly tired. I'm Lachlan. And I'm Luke. And the two of us have just before hitting record been... Uh, comparing notes on how exhausting our week has been and how tired we are at the moment. So what you're going to be getting in this episode, uh, the tired thoughts of Luke and Lachlan. The tired ramblings (laughs) of crumbling brains. That's right. Luckily, we have a a light and breezy topic, Luke, to deal with tonight. It's Ephesians chapter 6. slavery. Can't wait. (laughs) Exactly, I know. Uh, Let's read the first nine verses of Ephesians 6. That's where we're up to. Um, For those of you that are listening to this episode, if you haven't been listening to this season, um, then it's worth catching up on because we've just been reading through systematically the book of Ephesians and we've read all five chapters preceding this over the last uh, 10 or so episodes. So let's see where we're at now with Ephesians 6. All right, shall I go? Yeah. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Mm. Well, we've got to deal with the slavery, but let's briefly discuss the children and parents. It's actually kind of fascinating to reflect that there may not have been, in some instances, there may not have been a massive, massive um, difference in the interactions, I suppose, between a massive difference in the status and in the opportunities, but not a massive difference in in the interactions between parents and children and masters and slaves, perhaps. Um, in the cultures that we're reading. Um, I'm intrigued by it commenting this is the first commandment with a promise. Is that a callback to the Ten Commandments? I, I should open and check. Uh, probably is. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I'm reading from Exodus 20. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Mm. That's interesting. I was wondering about the Sabbath one, but it's true We've talked Doesn't about have it a promise at it. length. It's got all sorts of opportunities mm. and blessings built into it for the entire community, but it's not got a, an explicit promise attached to it. Um, and the the idol, the second commandment, or depends a little how you count it, but verse 4, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. Um, that has a promise of a different kind. <laughs> um uh, I'm a jealous God, and I will not tolerate your affection with it for any other gods. I will yeah, lay the sins true. of the that parents. Is, that is a type of promise. I will lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family will be affected, even the children it's in the right. third and well, fourth generations. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. I, I I struggle with the Bible. When I mean, <clears throat> the Bible's got many different authors, and they contradict each other. That is indisputable. Mm. But 
in Exodus itself, it says the child should not be punished for the parents' mm. sin, and the parents should not be punished for the child. So I think it's in, around Exodus twenty-two, somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that topic. <laughs> we'll have that's to. A, we'll have to. So I think that's, that's a can of worms. I think that might be what's being referred to here in Ephesians when it says this is the first commandment with a promise. Um, if you, or it even sort of quotes it doesn't it in verse three if you honor your father and mother things will go well for you you will have a long life on the earth that's um that is essentially quoting the mm. the commandment from the list yes in exodus. he's definitely referencing exodus there oh well that's fascinating i mean this is this is a hard one obviously because of the whole slavery thing which we just we we hold slavery to be wrong in all forms mm. um and it's one thing to just to to say to to slaves you know god god rewards people for the good that they do Mm. so be good um but it's quite another then to turn to the masters and say yeah be nice to the slaves as opposed to you know free them don't have slaves yeah yeah well Why, why why are slaves needed um if you can afford to buy slaves surely you can afford to pay servants and we know that the concept of servants was not foreign to the Roman Empire. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the word servant is used in many other parts of the Bible. I'm, I'm quite sure in the New Testament as well as the Old. Mm. So why tolerate slavery at all? It just doesn't make sense. So you're asking a question that, that the lesson poses in a way. It says, however much we might wish that Scripture had openly condemned this horrible practice of slavery, it doesn't. Certainly not here in this passage. It doesn't openly mm. condemn slavery as a practice or as a institution or as a economy. Um, so, I mean, another question in the lesson. Uh, one of the great stains on Christian history is how some have, some have used these biblical passages about slavery to justify this evil. I mean, it says these. We're reading just one here, but it is worth reminding ourselves this is not in isolation. There are other passages in the New Testament that touch on themes of slavery, none of which mm. very clearly condemn the practice. Um, and that's no, which yeah, you know, it, it seems to be then that to Paul it was acceptable. So one argument that I have encountered, and I think it has some merit, and the reason it has some merit is that it may have use for us. One argument that I've encountered is the argument that says it is entirely possible that Paul could not even conceive of a society without slavery. In, in other words, slavery, in other words, a little bit like um, it may be difficult for people in our society to conceive of economy without any fossil fuels. Mm. Yes, I, I, I see the argument. Well, yeah, economy without <coughs> um, private ownership. Yeah, or maybe that's a better without, example. Yeah, um, can society work and function without money? Without um, the idea of some of these things, and you know, the the interesting observation is society can certainly function without slavery. Um, we can see that even if our society doesn't 100% live up to that ideal. I know we don't have slaves per se in this sense in in Australian ec- economic activity, but certainly... Not, not, ex- not explicitly no. <laughs> legally recognised. The conditions of slavery are, are created 
in many ways and places in the modern world, including mm. Australia. Mm. Um, and there isn't a bar, there, there are borrowed. Yeah. Um, and even when they're, they're not they're created not be, in Australia, yeah. many, well, many is maps, perhaps overdoing it, but there are certainly occasions where our way of life and things we want and or take for granted end up being entangled with questions. Um, I mean, I know this is interesting. I, I drive an electric car. And one of the discussions that electric cars, because of the number of batteries that they require, one of the discussions that they um, are bringing to the front are questions about the sourcing of the minerals required to construct these batteries. Now, it's fascinating because it's not unique to electric cars. We rely on these minerals in all sorts of industrial processes. But it is right to ponder and to reflect on the, the manner in which we obtain these resources and i think most particularly mm. um there's there's the cultural culturally identified phenomenon of cobalt being mined by children in the congo uh and we we in in very poor conditions um mm. we do need to confront this um and so well it's it, and it's interesting because this this to me is is an argument um, largely in favour of, um, you know, buying locally made. Mm. And not just because of the um, decreased emissions from massive globe-spanning logistics chains, mm. but also, and, and, and not for nationalistic uh, reasons either, really, because that's the other one that, you know, buy locally made because we don't like the other country yeah. and our enemies. Um um, but no, the, the, the real reason is because if I buy something made in Australia, and we're getting quite off topic here, but let's go for it. If I buy something made in Australia, it was made under Australian labor laws, mm. Australian working conditions. Um, the people who did the labor of that product or service, whatever it is, mm. were treated by society, broadly speaking, the same way that I am. They had the same rights and privileges yeah. And worked under the same conditions, um, and the environmental laws of this country mm. applied, um, and all of these laws and rights and conditions and 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 things that are related to how our economy works. I, as a voter in this country, have some small say in and responsibility for, and none of that's true. For things made in other countries, yeah. which is, is doesn't it doesn't mean that those things are necessarily exploitative or mm -hmm. environmentally damaging, all the rest of it. But it does it does certainly make it more likely that that to be the case when you consider Australia and you consider many other countries that a, a lot of manufacturing is done in. Mm. You you cannot say that their work conditions and their environmental laws are as good. As, as those of the country that we live in, you know. Um, so for me, that's become a really significant consideration. And it, it came to my mind um, in all of the news and reporting around the offshoring of our recycling. Yeah. Which, which turned out to actually be the offshoring of not our recycling because yeah. recycling wasn't being done. It was just being... The, the materials to be re recycled were just being taken overseas and dumped. Yes. Um and and so that really kind of opened my eyes to the well yeah a, a lot of a lot of what globalization does 
at the really the darker, less moral corners of it is exploit people in the environment. Yeah, and slavery is bad. And slave modern slavery is a big part of yeah. that. Yeah, um, I mean, you said we we're getting off topic. It it's it's relevant in so many ways. One of the aspects of of this passage that I struggle with every time I read it is the this the idea of submitting the so the instructions to slaves um obey your earthly masters with deep respect and and serve them sincerely but what if they are evil aggressive people you know this is the this is always the question when is it right to be the resistance um so we look back i'm I'm thinking of cultural examples we look back on um the underground railway in um slavery states in the united states of america who who were mm. finding ways to remove slaves from that from that situation i think certainly in my culture growing up we would tell stories of those people as heroes uh we look back in world war ii cory ten boom defying the authorities in order to protect jews mm. hero now they're heroic but in a way they have reached a point where for some reason or other they're specifically um, resisting the authority. And this is a particular... We've just read the passage about slaves and masters, but there are other parts in the New Testament that sometimes gets quoted, you know, about... Um, uh, you know, even Jesus says, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, implying mm. a certain deference to earthly authority in its context. Um, and there are parts of the Bible that get quoted to sort of say, oh, well, we're meant to basically follow the the leaders political economic whatever we're meant to follow the leaders because in some sense god has put them there as the leaders um when and how is a christian meant to identify the right time to conform and put up with it versus the right time to resist and disobey and and serve serve them without yeah. sincerity or you know it's it's a challenging Mm. question to which i have no good answer but as you were asking it my mind went to the old testament prophets mm. because the old testament prophets were without exception anti-authoritarian and they were an appointed part of the system that that god had established in israel to hold those in authority to account because they stood outside of the system. Yeah. They weren't beholden to it. They didn't benefit from it. And they spoke on behalf most often of the, the oppressed and the poor yeah. and those who were treated unjustly. Um, I, so, I think that's a really fruitful direction to be thinking. Um, yes. The priests in the old Testament, priests and prophets are both, messengers of god in a way the mm. priests deliver their messages from god through order through ritual through repetition through system through structure the priestly mm. system is a system of predictable so it, yeah. patterns of annual sequences and the and the prophets are the exact opposite like you've said they come in unexpected and unannounced they yes the, the they of... provoke appear in the king's hall and yeah. leave dire warnings and then vanish you know it's that sort of imagery um, mm. occasionally they did literally do just that sort of thing um 
Yeah, and 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 as often as not, that you know they're very often holding kings to mm. account, but they're sometimes holding the priests yes. to account as well. Yeah. Um, right. So that doesn't really help us answer the question of when or how you would choose one or the other path, but it certainly is a very good framework, I think, to to serve as a reminder that there are genuinely times where I think a legitimate Christian calling is to obey and serve with sincerity. And there are genuinely times when a Christian is called to provoke and resist. Um, and and if, if, if like I a, could... Like the prophets. Yeah, if I could posit an understanding of when, you know, if we look at the old example of the Old Testament prophets, when is the right time to rebel? Mm. It is when injustice is mm. rife and, and oppression and the, the rich getting away with it, mm. you know, and the poor suffering um, because they've been disempowered. That is when the prophets are active and, and doing what they do. Um, so, I, I, you know, to me that, that if, if the laws of the land were just and fairly applied and we saw those in positions of power treated exactly the same as, as everybody else in the country, mm. uh, you would say perhaps there is no reason to be disobedient here. Well, um, I've got a very interesting thought percolating in my mind based on what you just said, Luke. Um, Ephesians 6 verses 5 to 9 that we read about slaves and masters only speaks to the slaves and to the masters. The message to the slaves is to serve with obedience and sincerity and respect. Mm. The message to the masters is to be respectful of the slaves and not to threaten them. But there's no message there to the free onlooker. And I just wondered to myself, I want, this is definitely adding words to the sentiment in the text. I'm not reading this as an, as an interpretation or exegesis of the text. I'm just using it as a springboard to ponder. Is this a helpful opportunity to remind ourselves that often the people in the best position to agitate for the broken system to be fixed are, are neither the person who is oppressed by or, the system yes. or the person who is benefiting from the system, but in fact, the thoughtful, passionate outsider to the system who, who can expend energy, not really directly for personal gain, but to expend energy to aim for an improvement of the system. In other words, I am neither a slave nor a slave owner, but maybe my calling is to agitate against modern slavery in all of the forms that it um, pervades well, our society. I, I, I believe that the present day term for such a person is... is ally mm. um and we've gone 20 minutes and that may be a good point to stop yes well the word <laughs> ally is thought. the word ally is used in other contexts other than just explicitly slavery and i would provoke is it? The, gosh i yeah. i didn't didn't even think of that. no but I, I would like to provoke the listeners to just ponder whether what we've just discussed might actually have some relevance um into some of those other contexts into which that concept yeah. uh, is Look, applied. Look, and if if you're a listener and that takes your mind to topics that you feel uncomfortable about, by all means, ponder them. I think it's good to ponder uncomfortable topics. But also don't forget to consider things like gambling, mm. particularly pokey gambling aimed at low-income people. Yeah. Um, or alcoholism. Mm. Um, or um, the housing crisis. Yeah. Uh, or, or any number of short-term injustices. Loans. 
yes mm. um that that you might be able to think of um that are less controversial in your own mind yeah because i think look we i very strongly believe that christians are called to stand against it and that is a very hard thing to do i think one of the things that god <laughs> this is an interesting way of putting it um one of the ways in which it is made easier for us is that there is a wide range of injustices to choose from. And I think all of us can find one to fight against um, in our own way. Yeah. You know, Not everybody is called to fight every battle. All right. um, but I think everybody is called to fight some sort of battle against yeah. the, the, the evil and unfairness in the world caused by sin. That's a really, a really cool way to see it. I think we should leave... Um, ourselves and our listeners with that challenge um, find the injustice that needs fighting that needs you to fight it um, mm. that's the Christian calling so yeah excellent well uh, only a couple of verses opening huge cans of worms and we've not done them true justice but neither of us have the energy to do that and frankly it's probably impossible in a single podcast episode so we're grateful that you have joined us and we hope that what we've what we've discussed has been a, a seed for more thinking on your part. Uh, that's always our hope and desire with, with this exercise. Um, if you would like to contact us, then you can email sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com. And we look forward to you joining us for another episode next week.